welcome to Conversations With. My name is Shaylee Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. Sharing our stories will educate others, bring more understanding, shed more light and smash more stigma. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. Hi everyone. Welcome back to This is Bipolar podcast. My name is Shaylee Hugendorn. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a mama, a wife, a event planner, <laughs> and a teacher on call, which means a substitute teacher, and a fierce mental advocate that lives with bipolar 2 disorder. I am joining you on the unceded territory of the Katsi and the Coquitlam people, and that otherwise is known as Port Coquitlam, near Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So that's the big introduction. Um, today is the first podcast of 2023 that I am doing solo. So if you've joined us before, you know from the very beginning how to co-host my favorite, Julie Craft, who's now gone on to write more books. And I have continued doing a series called Conversations With that I have just been interviewing others and telling their story um, since the summertime um, when Julie left. And I have had a lot of requests by actual real people. <laughs> I always joke um, because, it, you know, creators sometimes say that. And I always wonder if they've really been asked. But I actually have um, to continue to tell my story. And um, let me tell you that that is much harder. I am an extrovert and I just love to do things with people. So even though I've been interviewing online, um, in different ways, vlogging, podcasting for probably almost five years. Um, solo stuff is hard for me. So bear with me. I wanted to come on here today and talk about New Year's because New Year's is hard. January is hard. But before we do that, I'll do a little update because a lot are asking on Instagram. I had a mildish, I don't even know how to um, gauge it anymore, depression in the fall. And um, last, I think I mentioned maybe on a conversations with is I upped my meds a little bit. And usually I'm very cyclical in my bipolar 2 disorder. Um, I get a blip or an up at Christmas time. And that is medicated, pre-medicated, full-on hypomanic. And so um, that happened this year. Again, just a, um, I came out of it. Um, I think looking back now is a little bit of rapid cycling as well, because I would feel excited and looking forward to things and then devastated at the same time and back and forth. It was a really, um, yeah, a really kind of wobbly unsteady time for me um but I used my management and my tools and um yeah I was able to keep afloat and not um go deeper 
And so I'm not sure if the up in medicine worked or if the fact that it was just the holidays. So um, this is the first holidays too uh, that I was able to go home. We were able to go home to Prince George where all of my um, family of origin lives. Um, we hadn't been able to go before because of COVID. And then last year we actually were allowed to go. But um, here, the main highway that we take to drive up there was washed out. So... <laughs> Um, this year I was, uh, you know, hellbent on going. And even though the day we woke up, it was a massive snowstorm. And if you know where I live, we don't get snow very often. So we waited a little bit and then we, and I'm talking massive, like we don't get this much snow and we don't have enough plows and, or a lot of people that live here don't know how to drive in those conditions not because they're not awesome drivers, but because they haven't had experience. And we have very um, hilly and mountainous, if that's a word, terrain. And so um, it gets really dangerous. So we waited until the plows um, kind of piled the rows and then we went for it, which was huge um, for someone that has anxiety because literally between um, one city called Abbotsford and Chilliwack, which there's about an hour-ish, um, we saw 24 vehicles in the ditch. They all were flagged, so I think they were the night before, but um, uh, my desire to be with family outweighed my uh, fear um, because, yeah, and the roads weren't as bad, but yes, it was white knuckling, and luckily my husband and I both um, know how to drive, in the, that type of weather and have had experience. He drove most of the time and I tried not to gasp. So there was that. So went up to Prince George. This is still part of the update. And um, I have a bad back from an accident. So I tried to set myself up so that I would have success with sleeping because that's my number one thing that goes. And so, and traveling and then not having rules being on holiday. Um, I tend to creep up later and later and later because I love the nighttime. And so I have a bad back. So there's terrible mattresses at my parents' house that hurt my back. I'm very sensitive. So I slept on my brother's cot that he uses for hunting. Um, on one side, my husband slept over there just to keep my back well. And that worked. And I was careful with all the snow activities that we do. And I didn't do as many. And I just needed to keep my back healthy because that gets me really anxious and sad when I'm in physical pain. And then also um, went to bed reasonably, reasonably not perfect. Um, I woke up a lot earlier than usual. And then so meds aren't exactly on time. But for the most part, um, yeah, I did okay. And our family had a great time. I didn't a lot of times because things get so heightened, I usually have like a crying day or half a day and that just didn't happen. So we came back. And the last week um, still felt okay. I started to get the fear that I usually get at the end of December for the letdown. And also January is the anniversary of um, what used to be my deepest, deepest depressions for, and I used to fall into them for um, until May. And so I think there's like a trauma anniversary and I can feel it in my body. And I, even though it's been 12 years since I've had a major one, it, um, like a huge one not to say that there isn't a letdown and a mild depression um it uh I get scared and I feel in my body and so 
I try to make some plans. So this year, I have a friend from out of town this week and a friend coming at the end of next week. So I think that whole having things to look forward to and keeping a little bit busy, um, not so much in avoiding my feelings, but just having those things to hold on to and not getting stuck in my head. Um, and then I desperately need to get onto the sleep rhythm because I was starting to feel the emotions getting um, getting a little wild. And um, yeah, what I thought I would do is because I um, I wanted to read you something that I wrote, which was called A Mild Case of the January that I wrote for She Loves Magazine when I first started vlogging. But before that, I want to talk about something that I do now, a practice that I do that's really helpful. So I don't, and you'll hear in my when I read my thing, I don't make um, resolutions because I would make ridiculously high expectations and uh, pretty much immediately fail them and then fall into beating myself up and not just like the regular um because I know a lot of people can relate but when you have a mental health disorder it's bad you're a full-on bully to yourself I wouldn't talk like it to anybody else and then it just pushes you deeper and deeper or gets you more and more anxious and so I came across this practice a, a while ago of picking this word guiding word for the year and um, it just kind of comes to me. And usually when I know <laughs> what it is, is I usually don't, because I want to pick a flowery word or a super inspirational word, but generally um, it's, I'm like, I don't want that word. And then I usually know that that's the one and it pops up places and I, and I just see it. And so last year, tough year um, and a tough coming out of because we didn't get to go away and stuff last January was hard I didn't pick a word I picked a prefix it's from one of my favorite books called ish and my word was ish because it just felt very spacious like picking a word does um, that I could do everything ishly or experience things ish because um, with bipolar disorder things are so extreme right and so maybe I'm goodish maybe that's enough. And maybe, um, you know, I don't have to be uh, extremes if I don't feel extreme. And maybe I can be happy-ish. And maybe all of that is okay. Um, it's kind of like the thing that um, I like to say, New Year, same me, um, you know, still awesome. And it's not that I don't want to do improvement and not that I don't do those things and always try and keep um, myself uh, mentally healthy in the way that it looks. And I'm always a seeker of healing, but it's just too much pressure to be an entirely new me because we generally don't become entirely new people. We find new versions of ourselves and such, but it is a lot of pressure. So that was last word, year's word. And I kind of wanted to keep it this year. Um, but um, my other word came to me just recently and it is the word worthy. And I think that um, I think it's something that I want to want to believe in myself, that I am worthy, despite having bipolar disorder, that my work is worthy. Um, and that's a big thing that's coming up. And um, I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but just that the podcast and the Instagram and everything has grown so much, which I'm so grateful for, because I always say I just thought my mom would watch um, and maybe a friend or two or listen. Um, but, and now doing it on my own, I 
uh, surprisingly enough with what, um, you know, the response we've had and how uh, big it becomes, it feels weird to say that, um, I need to monetize in some way, whether that be ads, or I also want to have some kind of a membership group. So I don't know if I'm going to do it on Instagram or Patreon. I have to figure out that stuff. That stuff overwhelms me, but I have a bunch of extra content for that. And I was thinking, have different ideas about, um, I have a lot of people asking to meet up one-on-one. Um, I don't think I will do that, but um, maybe hosting a gathering where we're on zoom and I bring people in or I just talk and we have a chance almost like a support group, um, which will bring in some funds so that I can further, uh, fund the podcast and grow the podcast. And in order to do that, I need to feel like it's worth it and that I'm worthy and that the work that I do is good and beautiful and helps people. And I should know this because we get, we, I get messages every single day. So yeah. And just that, I just love that, that worthy, a life is worth living, right? It's worth showing up. It's worth being vulnerable. So I'm excited to see where that word guides me and teaches me. And it's not always easy, the things that get taught, but um, I am, I am excited uh, about the word. And of course, I will always keep ish in the, uh, um, in my language and how I do things. And I love just teaching with that because you know, I just love how kids, I especially love working um, K to grade three, and they're just, they all think they're artists and dancers, and they don't, uh, we get to this age where we start to think that we have to be perfect or better or um, before we can call ourselves something. So maybe, uh, you know, I'm artsy-ish. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. So I would love to read to you because I think it's, um, just explains my experience with January just the best and um yeah and I'm excited because it was something that I was proud of that I wrote and I think it's um deep and but also funny which I think it is kind of a representation of me right I love that saying where it says um my drama didn't make me resilient it made me uh funnier and so I laugh about that so um just to let you know uh, for content that I will be talking about um, disordered eating and eating disorder behavior. So if that's something that um, activates you or um, doesn't make you feel safe in your body, it might be a time to take breaks and or maybe come back to a different episode. I would never want to trigger anyone. And so let's get started. So I called it a mild case of the Januaries. It says, I am not a fan of January. January and I are not friends. I do not like New Year's resolutions. They make me anxious and downright grumpy. Don't get me wrong. I love planning. I have big dreams and even big vision on things I want to do in the year ahead. I just don't want to plan them all in January. The word get, world gets loud and bossy to me in the new year. And everywhere I look, I see messages of do better, look better, feel better, try harder, just be better. And I'm not okay with that. I don't like being told I have to change. And I definitely don't like being told how to do it and what I need to buy to be able to do it. My sarcastic side takes over when I see some things on social media. And let's just say ahead of time, you do you. What works for you works for you. This is my personal opinion and how I um, react. 
So it says my sarcastic side takes over when I see social media, I get trapped and restless and I want to do the exact opposite of everyone else. I see social media covered with exciting goals and beautiful organizers and gorgeous graphics, which I have all bought before. I pour over them and I really truly want to be excited for everybody, but it makes me feel overwhelmed and like I'm kind of failing before I even start. My thoughts are embarrassing and hard to share. But if I'm honest, when I see new calendars, I want to scribble all over them. When I see fitness posts, I want to throw dumbbells at mirrors. I envision tripping joggers in their active wear. I wear active wear, but mostly when I eat snacks and talk on the phone. So it makes me feel like I'm not good enough. When I see posts about food and eating, especially the rage about Whole30. I wrote this a while ago, so now it's probably like intermittent fasting or whatever's big now it makes me want to eat oh especially this rage about whole 30 it actually makes me want to eat a whole 30 cookies or a whole pan of brownies my relationship with january is more complicated than that when i pull back the layers of sarcasm what i find is guilt and fear and shame it goes much deeper than getting down because of the bleak weather or being stuck inside because it's winter. After New Year's, in a matter of a few days, I would go from carefree laughter and dancing in December to paralyzing depression in the matter of one week. The dark cloud comes in and lives in my brain for the next five months. It comes on so quickly that it surprises me every single year. The world around me would go gray and I would swing between sadness and complete apathy. My mind would erase my ability to think clearly about the world around me. I could only see the broken parts. It was at this time I would retreat into books, TVs, and stories about other people's lives. I wouldn't have to think about how I was feeling because I could think through the characters or through my friends or get lost in episode after episode of exciting adventures. I would do these things until the wee hours of the night and in the morning I would feel so tired and not want to take on the day. It was around this time that I would have a more destructive coping mechanism. By mid-January, I would get eating disorder-ish. I add the ish because it only lasted to May and it wasn't year-round, so it's hard to fully identify with the definition of an eating disorder. I would think about every morsel that went into my mouth as a way to control something because I couldn't control the thoughts in my head and feelings in my heart. I would restrict and then binge and then start over the cycle again. I would think I could only eat something like 1500 calories a day. That would be a good day. It wouldn't matter if I had depression because I, then I was successful at something, controlling something. It was less about being thin and more about control. I couldn't control anything I felt or the thoughts in my head or how I wanted to disappear. This was something I felt I could control. And what I didn't realize is that I became more out of control. I remember every night sitting alone, thinking about what I ate, writing it down, obsessing, and I'm using that word in the medical terms, over every morsel, figuring out the calorie count. My day would be determined as good or bad, depending on what I ate or how I exercised. If I had a bad day, I would berate myself, wake up the next day in humiliation and shame and tell myself that day I could only eat something like 500 calories. And I would exercise for an hour and a half, and then maybe I would erase it and it could all be equal and then I could start over again. 
These thoughts took over and it made me so frustrated because a part of me knew it was wrong. I knew with my faith that I believe that I was in made in God's image and that I'm perfect the way I look. I believe that about you too, but I still couldn't stop. I remember going to my local corner store one day and I felt like I had to make excuses like it's family movie night or it's going to be a great party. I'm pretty sure the 15 year old at the counter didn't give a rip that I was buying chocolate bar upon chocolate bar and bags of chips and any junk food I could get a hold of. But I thought it would be mortifying if anyone knew I was going to go home and stuff every last bit of junk in my face until I felt physically ill. I had the meanest critic in my head telling me that I was that I was ugly alone and that I couldn't even do this eating disorder thing correctly. I remember braiding myself because I didn't feel like I was what was um, the definition of a true bulimic or true anorexic. I didn't even lose any weight. Every winter, I would gain 10 to 15 pounds. In one of my lowest lows, deepest depressions, I gained 24 pounds in six weeks. I remember someone I was working with in my university practicum, they hinted that I might be expecting that I was pregnant and it broke my heart because I was not. Not many people knew how bad it was. I was honest to a point with close friends, but I told everything to my husband, husband, but there was nothing he could do except take me to the doctor. Unfortunately, it took a very long time to diagnose me because I'm high functioning, which you all know, I don't like that word because it sounds like better, but it is not. High functioning bipolar too. When you're high functioning, you can still do things like get a university degree. I could take care of my kids. I was a mom. I led um, at my church and put on events and did speaking, um, but I didn't feel excited about them. And I would immediately go to bed once I did the things that I needed to do. In this whole five months of struggle, I don't take the case of the Januaries lightly. Right now, I have, this is when I was writing. Right now, I have a mild case of the Januaries. Even after eight years, that's when I wrote it, now 12, of having my diagnosis and having the most amazing medication. Okay, so yes, I have side effects. Yes, I have all the things. But to me, it's amazing because it helps mute things and I feel like more of myself. This is so distracted of me to have to add in everything to over-explain, right? But here we go. It is what it is. Being stable and understanding that what winters could be like without a cloud in my brain. What happens with New Year's resolutions and why I get snarky is because I'm actually terrified I'm going to wake up one day and feel like that again. I'm terrified my meds will stop working. I fear all of those feelings. I don't want to go back. And even though I'm in a better place and I know I've healed a lot, I know this is something, this bipolar I'm going to live with in my entire life. I'm going to have depressive episodes again. They might not be as deep and they haven't, but I need to name these fears and I need to talk about them. If you're someone experiencing the mild case of the Januaries, or a deep case of the Januaries, or if you're stuck under the darkest cloud, I want you to know there really is hope. And I'm not just saying that. I don't know what that's going to look like for you, and I don't know when it's going to happen, and I don't want to give you um, any platitudes or sayings, 
But I do know from my own experience that there is hope. It's hard. And I know how difficult it is to even do the easy things. But I know that I desperately want you to understand that you need to keep going to your appointments. If you can't do it for yourself, I pray and I hope that you have someone in your support system that could rise up and take you or help you or fill in the blanks in the spaces that you can't show up. My wish for you this January, that January and this, to know deep in your soul that you are worthy and that you are loved, that your life matters and that you are needed. I need you to know you're not alone. You're not alone in this. You will find here on this podcast and on our social media that you are not alone. You will find people. You will find your siblings in mental illness. I used to say sisters because I wrote a lot for women's magazines, but we are all siblings in mental illness and we are in this together. And yeah, just reading that again, um, just really uh, touches my heart because so many, so much of it, I've, I've, um, yeah, I've carried that with me for so long. And I think that last year, well, since COVID started was the first time that I actually started to feel much of anything um, to do with depression. I mostly had situational sadness, but um, it's weird how you forget when you're hypomanic, you forget what it's like to be depressed. And when you're depressed, you forget. And then when you're euthymic, which is the word I've learned, which you all might know or might not, is when we're, um, I guess, stable or not in one of those uh, two uh, states or rapid cycling as well. So that is my thoughts about the new year. And that is my thoughts about January. Thank you for always showing up and being here. This has been such healing work for me. Um, it's a pretty big deal that I felt safe enough to come on here by myself um, and think that anything that I had to say alone was um, helpful or important. And yeah, keep watching. Um, I hope you'll support the podcast in any way that you can. Um, and I hope that once I get this membership um, sorted out and how I'm going to do it, I hope that you will uh, join me and we'll go deeper and we'll be able to support each other even more. Um, some of the recordings, the extra bonus recordings that I have are questions that I'm asking about practices that people do um, to help them. Uh, stay healthy um, despite having their uh, bipolar disorder and so I have probably three or four recordings from some of the people in the previous podcasts and they are powerful and I want you to hear them so I'm nervous that I've said it out loud because now I need to actually do it if you're someone that wants to work with me um, yeah you can uh, message me on Instagram at this dot is dot bipolar and or at the gmail which is this is bipolar podcast at gmail.com so until then thank you for listening that is my story of january this is bipolar thanks again for tuning in you can find video versions of this is bipolar on our youtube channel we also have all our previous and soon to be future episodes of the podcast on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Play. We spend most of our time on Instagram 
at this.is.bipolar. There is a vibrant community there where we have conversations and post different ideas and different strategies and we'd just love for you to join us there. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. If you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. This is bipolar.